Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the National Signing Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you today. Three days in a row. You guys are probably sick of me by now. You will get a break from me tomorrow, but I'll be back on Friday. We've got National Signing Day to talk about. I don't know how long we'll go today. We'll see kind of tired of talking, but a lot going on, a lot going on. So let's go ahead and jump right into it here. National signing day, Mississippi state went into the day with four possibilities for new signees. They get three of those four. The one exception, Khalil Benson of South Haven high school has signed on with Indiana. We were told late yesterday that Indiana had made a late push. And uh, Khalil Benson told me on Monday, that he was going to notify both coaching staffs on Tuesday of his decision and then make an announcement on Wednesday. Well, he has uh, signed on with Indiana. I am, I'm not a huge Khalil Benson fan, but I felt like because he, he is an in-state lineman and the fact that he gives you kind of some lead in to uh, Isaiah Brevard of 2021, who I think is the top prospect in the class for next year as of now, it makes sense. Plus, you know, Mike Leach wants to really expand that offensive line room. You know, State traditionally has kept about 13 offensive linemen on scholarship. Uh, Leach wants that number to be closer to 20. And so in order to get there, you've got to take some guys that are a bit developmental. And so Benson makes sense, you know, to me. So uh, he's not going to be part of our class. And that's okay. And I hate to begin on a negative, but I wanted to go ahead and kind of get that out there because that's the one thing that went wrong today. Uh, with National Signing Day. And that was the thing about the December signing day that was so great is everything went to script for Mississippi State, and that never happens. We're never able to just fully enjoy National Signing Day, and we were. And, and listen, I, I'm, my day is not diminished. 
by the fact that Khalil Brinson didn't sign on with State. I would think it would have been great to have, got, to have gotten him, but he's not a make or break in this class. So we wish him uh, the absolute best up there in Bloomington, Indiana, especially during those frigid winters. But, uh, but all that being said, there's a lot to feel good about today. There is an awful lot to feel good about today. And so before I get into signees, let me uh, thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company for being such uh, supportive vendors and uh, sponsors of the show. Really, really happy to have them as partners. I love the place. I love the people. I love the food. There's a great restaurant quality hamburger for everybody. I encourage you to go find your own. Go try them all. Take the Boneyard Burger Challenge and eat them all. And then, uh, you know, let me know your your findings. Uh, I, I love going in there. I, I love being able to put my feet under the table and know that I'm going to consistently get a quality meal at Bulldog Burger Company. And now there are two locations to serve you here in Starkville on University and then in Tupelo on Gloucester Street. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, so we discussed who we didn't get. Let's get into who we did get. State adds three signees today, Kyle Cass, safety prospect from Mississippi Delta Community College, originally from Maddie Blunt High School there in Alabama. Rufus Harvey, a bit of a fan favorite. A lot of Mississippi State fans in the Golden Triangle been hopeful that Rufus Harvey would get the scholarship offer. He gets it, signs today, flipping from Arkansas State. Slot receiver, that's going to be a position of need in this offense every single year. Uh, Jamari Stewart, a defensive end linebacker type guy from St. Lucie. Uh, there in uh, Florida, happy to have him aboard. So I'm going to spend some time now and kind of break down how some of these things kind of came to be. If you have listened to the show the last couple of weeks, you understand that we have talked and so well, really for months that uh, State had to go get an older safety. State obviously looked at the grad transfer portal and the junior college prospects that were still available that remained unsigned after the December signing period. And Kyle Cass is your guy. And uh, what's interesting Kyle Cass shared with me that Mississippi State actually reached out to him and began communicating with him back in October. So this is a situation where you've got, uh, you know, some carryover from the old staff as far as evaluations go. Things didn't really get serious, though, with uh, with Cass until the new staff got here. But again, that just shows the continuity of the recruiting staff. These guys show up and say, hey, listen, looks like we need an older safety. We've got some concern here at some of these positions. And then you've got guys like Rod Gibson and Mike Villagrana and Mason Smith. Those guys can say, you know what, Coach, we've already identified that need, and so here we are. These are our needs, and here's some guys that we think. And so all of a sudden you bring guys in, have them evaluate them, then you share an evaluation, and here the kid is. Uh, Tony Hughes uh, involved with Cass. Uh, he and his mom visited us you know, a couple weekends ago, and, and really last weekend, I guess it was one of those things where we just uh, understood that uh, he was going to commit because – you know, his list of options, about half a dozen options, Arkansas State, Liberty, Middle Tennessee State, Old Dominion. Not necessarily a star-studded uh, you know, list of options there. But uh, the bottom line is State needed to get a guy. Now he comes in. He's a bit developmental. He has three years to play, too. So let's say, for an example, he can't get on the field this year. Then he's still got two years to play, but that kind of negates the whole purpose of signing an older safety. And so I expect him to play – this year, he will be a spring graduate there at Mississippi Delta at Moorhead and then enroll here for summer school in June. So he'll have to get up to speed very, very, very quickly. But the good thing is, is that the position of safety, there's not a lot of implementation when it comes to uh, your reads and that sort of stuff. It really doesn't matter what the alignment you're in because more times than not, I mean, the checks are all going to be the same. And so this is, again, a position where state had a need. You go out and get an older guy. Not a lot out there from what I understand, from talking to some people in, in the industry, not a lot of older safeties available in February. There were some back in December. State wasn't really in the mix with those guys, but now here we are. So Kyle Cass, now Mississippi State Bulldog. Jamari Stewart is a rather intriguing guy for a lot of reasons. Uh, I like him as a player because I think he has some versatility. 6'3", 210-type pounds, Similar build to what Montez Sweat had. And again, I say that as a comparison to kind of describe him as a as a player, not necessarily uh, what I expect him to be on the field, just to simply understand that that's, that's his build. So this is another guy, too, that had a lot of offers, mainly some G5s, but he did have some, some, uh, some SEC offers. But let's run down the list here because he ended up having a pretty lengthy offer sheet when it's all said and done. 
off of from Arizona, took an official visit there. It, the, the final three were Indiana, Arizona, Mississippi State. That's what it was down to. But he, but this is a guy, too, that had a lot of options throughout the process. He, he claims an offer from Auburn, Buffalo, Florida International, Florida Atlantic, Iowa State, uh, Louisville, Mercer, Miami, Michigan, Minnesota, NC State, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Pittsburgh, Rutgers, South Carolina, Southern Miss, Central Florida, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and many others. Very, 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 very lengthy offer sheet. But then again, in the end, it boiled down to Arizona, Indiana, Mississippi State. I was told it was going to be Arizona or Mississippi State. Now, what's interesting, not just because of him as a player at St. Lucie West Centennial, is that it, he did play for Jamar Chaney. And so you guys may recall the NCAA passed some legislation a few years ago uh, you know, about this whole thing about you know high school coaches and 707s and people of influence can't be hired in off-the-field capacities at the same school. And so because of the fact that Jamari and Jamar are really just one year removed, that removes any possibility of Jamar Chaney joining the Mississippi State staff this year. It'll be different next year. A year from now, he'll be cleared to go. He will have, uh, have kind of filled the, the, the waiting period out. And so for those of you that were hoping and expecting Jamar Chaney would, would join the staff, that, that is no longer a possibility due to NCAA legislation. So at least for one more year anyway. But Jamari Stewart, you know, we needed to go get an outside linebacker. That was one of the things that we had talked about on this show many times, is when you look at the final needs, you got to get an offensive lineman, got to get an outside backer, Got to get an older safety and then probably a best available, including the receiver. Well, you got all that accomplished except for the offensive lineman. But Jamari Stewart's one of those guys that emerged late. And I think this 335 alignment is good for him. I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen him run. I've watched film. He will absolutely strike you, but I like, you know, his length. He's certainly one of those guys you look at and say he, he, he has the look that you want for a college defender. And he comes, you know, from a guy that we know. I mean, you know, if, if we have questions about what kind of player he is, we can ask Jamar Chaney, and I have. And Jamar will tell you that he is a great person and a great player. And I think it also says a lot about Jamar Chaney, too, that, um, you know, he had an, an offer from Mississippi State to join the staff, but he didn't want to do anything to hurt Jamar's chances. I think that's a wonderful thing. And uh, I think, you know, we, I think we need Jamar Chaney in Starkville at some point. You know, I think there was a plan in place to get him on the field sooner rather than later in Starkville. But instead, we're going to have Jamari Stewart. And, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I think when you look at it in, in long term, you're going to feel like, you know what, I think this says a lot about Jamar Chaney. That he'd want one of his former players to be here, even if it cost him an opportunity. And he's got a great gig at Florida. It's not like Jamar uh, isn't well taken care of. Jamar's doing well. But uh, to have Jamar Stewart here, I think, is great. Again, we had to have an outside linebacker. And then with, with Willie Gay's early declaration, it made that need more emergent because of the fact that we've got some other guys are going to have to grow up. We needed another name in the room. We got one. Rufus Harvey, I want to talk about Rufus a little bit here because I think there's some, there's some intrigue about all of this. Rufus Harvey is a guy we've been hearing about for two years, and people said, you know what, Mississippi State is going to offer him. Mississippi State should offer him. I can't believe the Bulldogs haven't offered. Rufus does get the offer. He does uh, flip to Mississippi State. And listen, we, we need wide receivers, but Rufus is a very intriguing prospect because of the fact that he's four fives, and he's a little bit smaller, but somehow he continues to get open. Now, it'll be a different deal in the SEC, okay, but he is one of those guys that has some shake about him. He's able to get off the line. He's able to get in and out of his breaks, and I, I, I read people talk about what a great route runner he is. I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think he's just a guy that, number one, can create space for himself and has unbelievable hands, and for a guy that's about 5'10", he, he can really elevate. So happy that we have him. Happy that that's done. I know there are a lot of people that are really rooting for this to happen. And and I certainly could have seen State go in a different direction. But when you see some things happen within the class, you know, when you, you get down, you think of best available, this, this makes sense. And I don't know if you saw A.J. Brown tweeted out that how happy he was that he's going to go get a Rufus Harvey Mississippi State jersey. said, I'll be a Bulldog through you. 
So that's kind of a cool thing, too. I know there's some people that still have uh, some bitterness with A.J. Brown because he left Starville for Ole Miss. Uh, but let me remind you, there's no reason to, to be bitter about A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown never got to go to a bowl game at Ole Miss, but he got to watch Mississippi State play in three. And so there's no need for us to feel negative about A.J. Brown. So the Starville kids, too, that they ride for each other. We talk about that all the time on message boards. There is a brotherhood among the Yellow Jackets, and they really, really pull for each other. And that speaks to a great culture there at Starville High School and Starville football. Uh, so Rufus is here. And, uh, you know, once some of the delay, you know, he's all, he's never been a big guy. But he also had some qualifying concerns, and that's one of the reasons that he didn't play in the Mississippi Alabama All-Star game. You, you guys saw the video of him getting open that first day of practice, but he had to take the ACT the day of the game. And so he was thinking he'd be able to do both, but but you can't. They weren't able to do both. And so he was focused on getting qualified. And the fact of the matter is that's what he should have been focused on is trying to take care of long-term business and not just a weekend All-Star game. And thankfully we won the game anyway. But he was included on that roster and was arguably the best wide receiver in all of 6A this year. And so when you begin to kind of look at, let's just run the, the in-state stuff here down really quick here, because I think it's important. It's one of those things that I don't think people fully appreciate. Sometimes when we look at all this stuff and we think, well, you know, it's been, it's been a good run, Steve, but, uh, you know, give me the bigger picture. So I'm going to try to do that for you here. So when we look at these uh, – these player rankings for the state of Mississippi. I'm going to try to get you up to speed on all this right now of where, who went, who won, who did well, who didn't all that good stuff. The number one recruit in the state of Mississippi, without question in my mind, I know some other people suggested that he should drop. He was overrated. They're wrong. It's McKinley Jackson. McKinley Jackson, a little bit of a surprise today, signing with Texas A&M. Originally committed to LSU, looked to be leading to Alabama, and then made some comments on social media a few days ago that he's known for a year where he really wanted to go. And that just kind of underscores the sentiment that I've had all along. There's been so much made about this uh, relationship between McKinley Jackson and Freddie Roach. And while I'm sure they got along great, my contacts close to the matter told me that that was all a misnomer, that every bit of that was just kind of a red herring that uh, he didn't like Freddie Roach more than the other guys and wasn't going to make a decision based on a position coach. And uh, I've read some of these comments, and it's laughable. McKinley Jackson, great player, will stay in the SEC, uh, was never really a serious consideration for Ole Miss. I, and, I, and I know that comes as a shock to people that follow this thing closely. McKinley Jackson is a beast. A little bit undersized as far as height goes, but this is a guy that plays with a tremendous amount of effort has great length, uh, would have loved to have had him at Mississippi State. State never really in the mix. We thought we would be. Went out and signed his best friend and cousin, Dylan Lawrence, and hoping that would help us. Uh, hadn't worked out that way. But uh, best of luck to McKinley Jackson. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes, the number two player in the state, headed to Starkville, signed back in December, really never gave us any trouble. And there were so many people that kind of forecasted that there would be. Uh, I know there were some people around him in Grenada that were of the Ole Miss persuasion, but they didn't have the influence I think that many people expected. And so Forbes is here without any question and really never gave State any any cause for, for concern. Didn't visit Ole Miss, and really when they made the coaching change at Ole Miss, it removed all doubt. Uh, J.J. Pegues, ranked number three. I don't like him at number three. And, and I've said this, I've spoken this to people within the network, but uh, he signed with Auburn. Get out of Oxford, Mississippi. I just don't know where he fits. I think he is the classic tweener, and I don't like having tweeners near the top of the rankings. But uh, he is a good player, got a real burst. He's a guy that, you know, if you're if you're going to go out and, and take a guy that's a bit developmental, and he is, like we have him listed as an athlete, which is wrong. He's not an athlete. I think he's going to end up being a three technique on the next level. That's That's what I think. Uh, speaking of three techniques, there's another ranking I didn't agree with, and that's Josiah Hayes of Horn Lake. I think Josiah is a good player, not a great player. He signed with Kentucky back in December. Uh, watching him in Mississippi Alabama All-Star practice, I was a little bit more encouraged after watching him in practice a little bit, but uh, he, he is not a guy to me that is a difference maker. I think he's a good rotation guy. I think we'll look back in a few years and we'll think, oh, I remember that kid. The number five player in the state is – uh, Leditrick Tulu Griffin, 
signed back with Mississippi State back in December. Again, another guy that never gave State really any trouble once he recommitted. You know, there was some uh, trepidation at times. Ole Miss people within the Philadelphia community were trying to get involved with him, but it didn't work out. And now he's here. But there were some times through this thing that we thought, you know what, he'll end up at Ole Miss. Jacob Peeward did a really good job recruiting them. And then when that staff changed up there, it really removed any concern. Former Mississippi State commitment, Jacobon Brown is number six. I think that's a little bit high, but I can live with it. I think he is a great athlete. I got an 89 rating just below uh, Griffin there. There's some other people that are higher on him than I am. I think it's one of those things where he's going to have to learn the position. And there's also, too, if he's truly 6'3", 235 pounds, what is he going to be after 18 months in a strength and conditioning program? Probably playing with his hand in the ground, I suspect. And we need we had needs at outside linebacker. And if you're playing against the spread, as we are so many weekends, you have to have speed at outside linebacker. I just don't know that a guy at 245, 250, is going to consistently be able to get out there and, and, and defend in space. Uh, Trey Benson committed to Oregon very early on, never really wavered. I know State tried to get back in that a little bit. Didn't work out, but uh, he's he'll head up there. And he's had a good career. Frankly, I like Dylan Johnson more than Trey Benson. But I get it. I understand. Alex Adams uh, out of South Pike High School, former Mississippi State commitment, committed to LSU. And he's one of those kind of guys, too, that he – is once LSU got serious about him, nobody else had a chance. Growing up there in Magnolia, Mississippi, he really liked LSU a lot, always had. that. Them and Ole Miss were always the big concerns for Mississippi State. But once LSU got in, it was no trouble. I mean, there was nothing. There was no chance at that point. Once LSU decided to take him, uh, nobody else had an opportunity. Number nine in the state, Eli Acker from Heritage Academy. Again, I, I like Eli Acker. Uh, and and you know, the fact that he's named Eli makes me think that he was always going to Ole Miss. And I've said many times on this show, I think it's a great time when kids get to play for their favorite schools. And uh, Eli gave Mississippi State a real chance. He came in, took an official visit, and I think things I think things were a lot closer than people realized. But Ole Miss was simply in his heart, and you don't begrudge anybody that. Speaking of that kind of stuff, Dylan Johnson said that he's been a Mississippi State fan his entire life, and that he rooted against his own brother in the Egg Bowl. You know, so. Uh, DJ never gave us any trouble, said way back in the summer when people were suggesting that Ole Miss could get him if he wanted. That was completely untrue, that he was completely disinterested in Ole Miss. I'm eager to see how Mike Leach will use him. We've recruited him as an athlete. He wanted to play running back, and that was kind of the you know the decision early on to play running back. Uh, we have some needs as a position, obviously, but I think Dylan, they can move him around if necessary and, and have him do other things. This kid can really play. Janari Dean also – Signed on Mississippi State back in December. We do get him moved up in the final tally, but I don't know that he comes up enough. He ends up at number 11 in the state. Uh, you know, I, I could see him a couple spots higher. I think Janari Dean is one of the most undervalued players in the state, and I don't know that he's been completely respected the way that he should be. But I think Janari Dean is a guy that has an opportunity to play very early at Mississippi State. Uh, Kentrell Bullock from my hometown and high school of Columbia, I think he is a bit high too. And I shared that early on, that he gets some bump early on and it was a four-star running back. He eventually ends up as a three. I think he is a solid three, probably somewhere around 15. Signs on with Ole Miss. Again, wish him the best. I always like to see any of those kids from Marion County get a chance to get their college education and do some great, great things in life. So, again, hope he goes 0-4 in Egg Bowls, but gets his degree, meets his wife, and has a wonderful time. Uh, Xavier Hill, that's that's one of those things you look at, I mean, like, like the ones that got away, that's one that really stings a bit. I really like Xavier Hill. I think he has a chance to be a really good player. Signs on with LSU back in December. Finished the season number 13 in the state. Really felt like state was going to get him. And then LSU got serious about him. And that's what happens. You know, that that sometimes that happens. LSU for years hadn't done a whole lot in Mississippi. And they go come get a, a couple top, you know, 15 players this year. Uh, Caleb Offer out of South Haven uh, signed with Notre Dame, and, and great for him. I'll be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of a reach. Uh, I do think he is a Division One Power Five player, but it surprises me that Notre Dame uh, comes to get him. Uh, I, I, I'm really, I was really surprised by that. I, I would think that they would recruit 
uh, a little different area. They got you know a, a wider assortment of talent available to them, but um, a little surprised. But listen, South Haven's got a good good, good run going right now. They've got some players, and so good for Caleb Alford for going to uh, to Notre Dame and go do well. Saw him in Mississippi Alabama practices. I was a little bit underwhelmed to be honest with you. Uh, Jimmy Holiday from Madison Central signed on with Tennessee back in December. Uh, really liked him as a player. He just didn't fit at Mississippi State. I know some people are thinking, well, let's go get him. Let's go get him as an athlete. Uh, I could certainly have seen you doing that, and I think he'll go to Tennessee and and do a good job there. I'm just not quite sure what he, what he fits position-wise for them. I like him with the ball in his hands. I would have him at receiver. He's ranked 15th in the state. Jevin Banks, number 16 in the state. Signed on with State back in December. No real issue with him there. You go, you know what? I mean, he's a tweener, but I'm a fan of him. I think the 335 is good for him. I think he's a guy that really benefits from that. Uh, Jaden Wiley drops in the rankings, and I, I don't, I don't like it. Um, Jaden Wiley is one of those guys that um, I think we're going to look back five or six years from now and think, you know what, man, Mississippi State got a steal on this kid. Really, really like him. Great competitor. Great length. Great speed. Uh, Javorius Selman ends up number 18, also Mississippi State signee. Really like him a lot, but he is a little bit undersized. And, you know, the, the era of the small corner is, is kind of ended. And so it'll be interesting to see where we play him and how we play him. He was a guy that I felt a whole lot better about pre-injury. I, I don't know that he was 100% back this year. Uh, Will Rogers, I think, criminally underrated at number 19. I don't think that he's a four-star, but I think, at, you know, at an 86, he's probably a little bit less than he should be. But uh, signed on with State back in December, and you got enrolled and took part in some some bowl practices. Uh, Montre Edwards from uh, Holmes County Central. I don't know that he's been announced as a signee yet, but he finishes number 20. He was a guy early on that people expected some big things to happen within his recruitment. Uh, and he was a hot name early, but State and Ole Miss both went away. Austin Keys ranked 21. Uh, signed with Ole Miss. I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm not a fan of uh, of Austin Keys. I think that he is a, I think he is the classic tweener. I've heard some people say that they think he'll be a Mike linebacker. I think he probably will be. But um, you know, after seeing him in person, I just I wasn't blown away by him. But what what can he be with 20 25 pounds on it? We'll see. We'll see. If he can maintain his foot speed, I think it'll be okay. But I, I just I haven't been a big fan of his game. I know some other people have him ranked a lot higher than we do. And I don't like where he's ranked with us, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Armandus Cooley, it's, it, to me, it's incredible that he is ranked as low as he is. He is the second-best defensive tackle in this class. And so when I see J.J. Pegues and Josiah Hayes ranked so high, and then I see Armandus Cooley, I'm looking forward to coming back one day and saying, see, I told you so. The number one DT in this class is McKinley Jackson. The number two is Armandus Cooley, and it's not close. There is a huge gap between those two guys. And I don't think, listen, McKinley is the clear number one. I'm not saying Armandus is right there with them. It's not a 1A, 1B thing. It's McKinley, and then a couple beats down, there's Cooley. And then there is a sizable gap. I think Armandus Cooley is going to prove to be an NFL player if he stays healthy. He has a chance to do some big things. I really like his game. He's got to gain a little bit of weight the right way. You know, he, he's already a big enough kid, but we've got to add some muscle to him. I think he'll be good. Khalil Benson, you guys heard me talk about him earlier. You know, he uh, signed on with Indiana. Best of luck to him. Number 25, Cameron uh, Threat. I'm not going to run the whole list down here for you, but uh, Camp Three, number 25 in the state, signed on in December, never gave state any trouble. Same thing for Grant Jackson. Uh, he's at number 26. Calvin McMillian, 27. All those guys signed on with state in December. Chris Keyes from Collins signed with Indiana. Indiana doing a good job, huh? And then uh, number 29, Jamison Kelly, signs on with Louisiana Tech. And after that, it, you know, you got Rufus Harvey way down there at 33. Probably should have fought a little harder for him. You know what I'm saying? I think it's one of those things a lot of people just weren't sure what to make of him. But a good group, a good group. Mississippi State's done well. Mississippi State's got uh, some good things in store. One of the things that I'll share with you about this class, you know, we're going to end up just outside the top 25 because those transfers, as great as they are, won't count in the rankings, but you know what? They'll count on the football field. 
And that's, there's a concept that I think eludes some people. They just look at numbers on signing day and say, oh, you know, better luck next year. You know, well, here's the thing about that is uh, you got to go play football games with these players. And so if you don't win, you don't recruit better. And so there are so many times, and you've heard this adage that Melvin Smith told me years ago, it's not who you get, who you don't get to get you beat. It's the kids you sign that can't play. And so when you go out and you have these mediocre recruiting classes, at some point the chickens come home to roost. There's no doubt about that. I want to remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, go check out our friends at Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. You want to smell nice? Because I know you all look nice because only the beautiful people, only the sexy people listen to the show. But you want to smell nice. Nobody taught you how to buy cologne. You just usually kind of went with what was on TV or whatever. You need to find something that fits you and your chemistry. Go take the quiz at Hawthorne.co. They will tailor their products to fit you. They've got some products that will fit your preferences, and they'll send them to you. I love the product that I've been sent. I wear it every single day. I use their products every single day. Every day. Love it. You will too. Trust me. I don't know that I've ever smelled better. I really don't. I don't know that I have ever had cologne that I like better than what I've got from Hawthorne.co. And listen, you get body wash, you get lotion, uh, you get shampoo and conditioner, get deodorant. You get everything you need for male personal care. Again, it's hopthorn.co. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase. We'll save you a little cash. Promo code Boneyard. Save you 10% off that first order. Trust me, go do it. And ladies, take the bull by your by the horns. Go do it yourself. Get the laptop. Have him take the quiz. You ask the questions. You fill it out. And you ordered that for Valentine's Day. Trust me, you'll both be glad you did. Again, it's hopthorn.co. So let's look around the league here. Uh, that's one of the fun things about all this is you feel good about your class. And I do feel good about the class. I, I think it's a really good class. I can't say that it is a great or an elite class. I do feel, for the most part, we've met our needs with very capable and talented players. There are some of these guys I'm higher on than others. But I think we've got to put, put, put a good class together. Not to mention, you consider there's a lot, a lot of excuses out there about, well, we had a coaching change. We had this. You know what? We had a coaching change. We had a coaching change, and then we were still able to hang on to all but one of our guys, that's Benjamin Key, and then we're able to add some other guys at positions of need. And so I don't know how you can look at this and think you know anything negative about it. So let's look at the SEC. Let me make sure these are completely updated because there are still some announcements being made out there. But as of now, Georgia, the number one team in the country and number one team in the SEC. Georgia going to have the top recruiting class two of the last three years. Alabama going to come in second in the SEC. LSU, your defending national champs, right there third. A&M, again, A&M is a value recruiter. It's weird to think that they constantly put up seven and five type seasons, seven and five, eight and four type years. It's one of those things. It's weird. The thing I'll tell you, Jimbo, you can ask Houston not about this. When you got people out there that are constantly talking about how great your recruiting classes are, you better be able to win because pretty soon they'll figure out it's coaching. Auburn fifth in the SEC. Florida sixth in the SEC. Tennessee seventh. South Carolina eight. Kentucky nine, just barely ahead of Mississippi State. Mississippi State going to be 10. And again, we're not able to include the transfers in the rankings. You know, maybe at some point we will, but I don't know how many points you would really give them, especially as one-year guys. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you get a, you know, four or five-star kid, and, and it shouldn't be weighted in a way that, that you would get a lot of benefit from that in the rankings. These rankings are for entertainment purposes only, anyway. Number eleven in the SEC is Arkansas. Transition class for the Hogs, but uh, they've had a good day today. Arkansas leapfrogs Ole Miss. Ole Miss now last in the SEC West and 12th in the SEC. Missouri 13th in the league. Vanderbilt 14 in the league. The high number of commitments and signees, it's going to go to Alabama with 26. Alabama, A&M, and Auburn all with 26 in this class. Let's switch over and just look nationally here real quick here, just because I think it's important. We always talk about, well, yeah, we were top 25, but we're still bottom half of the league. Look, that's the neighborhood we live in. It's kind of a tired narrative anyway. 
you know, it is what it is. As I mentioned, Georgia number one nationally, Alabama number two nationally, Clemson four nationally, A&M six nationally, Auburn seven, Florida eight nationally. So you can run that down yourself. That's five five teams in the top eight nationally in the SEC. Pardon me, six. Six of the top eight are from the SEC. Is there some SEC bias in recruiting rankings? I don't know, but there are a lot of national championship appearances out there that would say there's something to all of this. Get a little deeper into it. Can, you know, Tennessee with a top 15 class. Jeremy Pruitt and his crew currently 15th in the country. And, of course, there'll be some other signings later today, and things will settle a little bit. South Carolina, 18. Really big class for uh, Coach Muschamp and the group over there. Kentucky, 24. Mississippi State, currently 27. In the 247 rankings, we're 24. In the 247 composite, we're 27. So right there, right there in the meaty curve of things. I've said before, State needs to have three out of four top 25 classes, but your fourth class can't just be a crater class either. You can't do that. Arkansas up to 35. Ole Miss currently 38th, 38th in the country, 44 in the 247 rankings, 44. It's amazing what happens. Amazing what happens when there's a level playing field. Running down Vanderbilt, 55. So there you are. Those are your SEC schools right there, Missouri, 48. So uh, an interesting deal about that. But uh, one of the concepts I want to talk to you guys about is like we we talk about these recruiting rankings and uh, some people put way too much emphasis on them. Some people don't put enough. But here's the deal. If, if you don't meet your needs in recruiting, how much are you going to meet them? I mean, there's no free agency. You're not going to be able to just say, okay, listen, let's go find 12 talented guys out of the stands and go field a football team. That's not how it works. It's not as simple as, well, you know, we didn't have the day we wanted. No, this is the day that kind of puts a wrap on the whole thing. You're going to go field a football team with these players, good, bad, or indifferent. And so it's not as simple as say, well, we'll do better next year. Well, some of these guys are going to ride your roster for four years. Some of these guys are just going to eat up scholarship dollars and, and, and rob opportunities from other players. But they they have to be signed. People say, well, we got we, we have to get a lineman. We got to do this. We got to we, we need a body. And they go take those kids, and then those kids can't play. And so I think it's important that uh, that is something that is hammered home. There is always a price to pay for lazy recruiting. It always comes back to get you. We've known it. Other schools have known it. And that was the narrative kind of coming in here. It's like, well, you know, Mississippi State's going to get killed in recruiting. And they say, well, you know, it's, you know, it's a transition year, so we'll make excuses for our friends up the road. You know, you know, guys that are closers, you don't go into National Signing Day expecting to sign a half dozen new kids and not get any of those guys. It'd be one thing if you got a handful of them or one or two of them. But, you know, when you go up there and you, you build yourself as a recruiter, you better be able to recruit. You better be able to deliver on signing day. And you can say whatever you need to to make yourself feel better. But the bottom line is, again, you're going to have to go play with these kids. Those are the things that are amazing to me, the, the, the things that people say to delude themselves, because there's so much of that that, that is just not rooted in fact. But State's had a good day. You know, any, any day that we don't have drama on signing day is a great day. But uh, we're going to move on from this, and we're going to get ready for spring practice. Now, I still suspect – now, theoretically, there are still some spots available to count back in the initial counters. I think that we will save most of those for December. But if there is a player or two post-spring – then we will go at them too. But but here's the deal about that. State is currently oversigned. Remember this. We're at eight, we were at 83 before what we added today. So currently we're at 86. So in order for us to be under the number or at the 83 limit in August, we've got to have somebody not qualify or we're going to have some guys leave. And so it's not as simple as, well, you know, we're just going to go trade out for this guy. You know, there, there's legislation to prevent that sort of stuff, too. You guys may remember Alabama made a coaching change in baseball over a similar issue. So the math is what it is. There Again, there will be some attrition in the spring, 
but don't automatically assume, well, Steve, we had this guy leave. Can we go add another guy from the portal? Well, because we can't if it's just one or two guys. Because remember, we're oversigned. When Scott Lashley enrolled, that put us at 82 grants for 2020. Then you go add KJ Costello, that puts you at 83. Then you add Cass and Rufus and Jamari, that puts you three over. So there's got to be a minimum of three guys leave in the spring in order to be able to add anybody else. Simple as that. All right, let's move on from that, though. So remind you to Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets lovelier by the day. They will take care of you. They'll help you outfit your family, your pet, your RV, your office, your, uh, your, your tailgate, whatever you need. You can get it all right there at Campus Bookmart. Go by and see them. And if you can't make it to town, go visit them at campusbookmart.net. But being a lawyer boneyard listener will give you a phrase to pay. That's BSR, which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about that men's basketball game last night. I'm not going to get on here and rail about officiating, even though I do, I do think there would, that the calls left a lot to be desired. I didn't think Mississippi State played exceptionally well, but there we were in the final minutes with a chance to win the ball game. I think this is going to be okay for us. I really think we're going to be okay. We did not play well offensively, and Kentucky had a lot to do with that. They're a very talented team. I think we were a bit tentative too, but I think that's going to make us more aggressive down the stretch. I think we'll get it. I think we will kind of rise to the uh, to the occasion. We're, we're out of opportunities to have a marquee win the rest of the way. But, you know, we didn't get beat as bad as many people expected at Kentucky. I said, told you guys I expected to lose the ball game, but I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we had won. Uh, there were over 20,000 people in attendance in that ball game, and in the final couple of minutes they were all very engaged because State had cut it to within six. We just simply, simply couldn't get that one last basket to get over the top. So, uh, so anyway – Robert Woodard, 15 points last night, 37 minutes of action, seven rebounds, doing a great job. I mean, doing an absolute great job. DJ Stewart eventually fouls out of the ball game, 15 points, and he is becoming a star right before our eyes. I didn't think he played scared at all last night. That was the thing that I looked at last night with DJ Stewart. I thought that was an important part of the game and the direction of the program going forward is DJ Stewart goes into Rupp Arena and plays one of his better games of the year. At the best game of the year against you know, this past weekend, he scores 20. Then he goes up and puts 15 up uh, against probably the most talented team he's going to play this year. He is not scared. I, I like the fact he's willing to attack the rim. I thought at times last night we were a little tentative around the rim. I didn't think he was. Reggie Perry, very frustrating night for him. and He wasn't getting calls early in the game, and some, but some of that was him too. Some of that was him playing with a little bit of finesse rather than ferocity. There were some times I think if he just goes up and heaves at home, it's a basket or he's getting to the line. There were some times I think he tried to be a little bit too cute. 35 minutes, 416 from the floor, 6 of 9 from the line. That continues to be a strong point. Eight rebounds, did fell out of the game late, put up 14 points, also had four turnovers. A couple of those turnovers to me look like uncalled fouls. But I digress. Nick Weatherspoon really struggled from the field. And I really thought his body language showed them that they were getting to him. He was really, really frustrated. He had a tough time you know, kind of shaking the Kentucky guards. 29 minutes of action, 2 of 11 from the field, 5 of 5 from the line, 4 rebounds, 4 personal fouls, and just the 9 points, uh, and only 2 assists. That, those are the things. When, when, we're, when we're doing a good job, Nick is able to distribute the basketball and get baskets. We were simply not able to do that against Kentucky. Tyson Carter with some big baskets late again. When State had to have it, he came up and hit some shots late. But again, not a good shooting night for him. Four of 13 from the floor, two of nine from three. He hit a big three late to get it within 10 or get it uh, within single digits. Uh, and six rebounds, which, which is among his uh, season highs for sure. Also, four personal fouls. State with 25 fouls in the game. Nearly had uh, a handful of guys foul out. Kentucky does 14 fouls in the game. 
Now, some of those fouls for State came late when they were trying to get Kentucky at the line, so I don't want you to think there's such a, a huge disparity. But I did think the call I – I didn't think the game was called even-handedly. That's just – and I think there's a such thing where fans uh, influence officials. Uh, and I think that happens especially in women's basketball. But I really think uh, when you know who's expected to win, I think sometimes when that, that team gets on a roll, the officials get on a roll with them. But be that as it may, I am not disappointed with the effort. I'm not disappointed in the result. I'm disappointed at times we didn't play well offensively. But I also understand that's part of the growing the maturation process. So we get that game behind us, and, and we've been talking about on this show for a couple of weeks that that was one that we expected to lose. We expected to lose at Florida. We expected to lose at Kentucky. We took care of Florida. And so this pivotal five-game stretch that we've talked about extensively, two games remaining in that before Valentine's, Vanderbilt and on the road at Oxford. State should win both of those games. And that game at Oxford's never easy. We won there last year. But it's never easy to go win uh, in the pavilion. But if State is going to be the team we expect them to be, you're going to have to find a way to go win that ball game. There are so many things with that rivalry that makes you take some pause. But Mississippi State's got to find a way to win. And that's that sets you up pretty well because, again, there's not going to be a lot of these games in the net. They're going to help down the stretch. They're not going to be a lot of these games. You know, there were no, the main thing, if there's any surprise down the stretch to Mississippi State, it's going to be the negative variety. We're not going to play LSU. We're not going to play Auburn. We're not going to play Kentucky again. We're not going to have a chance to have a resume-building win out there. We just simply have to take care of business now. And so looking at the SEC men's standings, LSU 8-0, Auburn 7-2, Kentucky 7-2, Florida 5-3, Carolina 5-3, and then there's State and Tennessee, A&M, all right there at 5-4. and four. Arkansas 4-5, four and five, Alabama 4-5, and five, Georgia 2-6, Mizzou 2-7, Ole Miss 1-7, Vanderbilt 0-8. Oh so the next two ball games for Mississippi State are the 13th and 14th teams in the SEC standings. We have to win those games. Throw the rivalry completely out of it. That's, nobody cares about that. you got to go win the basketball game. Put the rivalry aside. Forget that. The bottom line, mathematically, and talent-wise, Mississippi State is the better team. You go win the ball game if you're Ben Howland. You beat Vanderbilt, and then you go beat Ole Miss, and you put yourself in a good situation. Continue to play well. Make some good things happen for yourself. That makes State 16-8 and eight after 24 games. It would make you 7-4 and four in the conference uh, with the back half of that schedule really, really advantageous to Mississippi State. Mississippi State women will be back in action very, very soon. And I know you guys have kept up with all that. It's one of those things, too, with the, with the women's team. You know, we expect to win handily so much. When we, don't, when we don't just hammer somebody, people are somewhat disappointed. But this is a young team, and there's going to be some inconsistency with young teams. Uh, you guys know this by now, too. But it's one of those deals where we, we are almost the victims of our own success, where if we don't go beat somebody by – 30 or 40 or 50 points and play the reserves in the second half, then, um, you know, we think, man, what's going on? You know, but uh, the bottom line is this team, I think, is really actually ahead of schedule. I think I think most people see it that way. We are ahead of schedule, and uh, we're excited and ready to go do some bigger and better things, and probably we'll go a little bit deeper in the tournament than we anticipated. That's why it's so important for us to get a host side again, because I believe in the Humphrey Coliseum, State will beat whoever they put in front of us. Uh, the first two rounds, and then we'll see what happens It would matchups the rest of the way. But if this team can make it Sweet 16 this year, I think that's probably about as far as we could expect. If you get the right matchup and you get to a regional final that matches what you did a year ago with Andrew Howard and Tierra McCowan. So excited to see what's going to happen next, uh, you know, on the women's side of things for sure. But uh, I know everybody, it's kind of tuned in television for you now. So it's like even if you don't make it to a game, you still want to watch it. And that's a big one tomorrow evening. His state will play Tennessee in Knoxville at 530. So that's going to be an earlier game. Make sure you tune in to watch that. It'll be on the SEC Network. It's a huge game in our season. We win that ball game. I think it began to kind of remove some doubt about the pecking order of the SEC. You know, we're still chasing South Carolina. We clear this hurdle. 
and you if you get through these next three ball games, uh, yeah, you begin to look at this and think, you know what, State's got a real chance to win out. I don't want to get the cart before the horse here, but uh, the three most difficult team games remaining on the schedule are what we're about to go through now. At Tennessee, home against A&M, and then at Kentucky. You get through that. You travel to Auburn. And yes, Auburn gave us some trouble, but they'll have our full attention. You get Alabama, Arkansas, and then at Ole Miss. And you got to think you're going to win those last three for sure. So we've got – this is where we have to make the hay. This is where we determine our, our seeding in an NCAA tournament is what happens here over the course of the next 10 days or so. I remind you, if you hadn't done so, go visit us at starkvillainsthebook.com and order your books. You can get personalized copies. You can get as many as you want. We'll, they'll, they'll print more. You can order those and uh, give them for Valentine's Day gifts. There's some hard-to-buy-for Bulldog fans in your family. You can get them those, or you can get them a Stark Villain shirt at starkvillains.com, or better yet, get them both. So looking back, people say, well, Steve, what did you think about the signing class? I think it is a good class. I don't think it is a great class. And I think some of that is attributed to the fact that it was kind of a, uh, maybe an above average year of the in-state talent pool. I don't know that we had an elite year. I don't know we'll have one like we had a year ago. Uh, But, um, you know, good class. I'm interested to see what Mike Leach and his staff will do when they have, you know, a full recruiting cycle to work with here at Mississippi State and the benefit of people seeing this offense in action this season. So we're where we want to be, and we're on our way to being where we should be, and uh, that's back in the top 25 consistently as a recruiter. And I think Mike Leach is going to, again, open some doors. It's difficult to recruit kids to go play in Pullman, Washington. It's difficult even nationally to get kids to go do that. You know, they've got to really be embraced with your system and enamored with your coaching staff and I think there are going to be some natural resources here because of this part of the country and the facilities that are available that Mike Leach is going to be able to recruit an even better brand of quarterback here at Mississippi State. I'm eager to see it all happen. I'm here for it, as the kids say. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Thanks so much. And, again, please solicit our sponsors, Bulldog Burger Company, Hawthorne.co, and CampusBookmart.net. They allow me to bring you the latest, greatest, and coolest information about Mississippi State, the premier athletics program in the Magnolia State of Mississippi. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.